The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. And holy freaking crap, what a game. There were so many roller coaster up and downs with this game. I, I don't even, there were times when I felt like shutting it off. I'm like, okay, here we go again. Another terrible game. But the Grizzlies kept fighting. They forced an overtime. I've got to be honest, though. I somehow managed to miss the last two and a half minutes-ish of regulation. I did make it back just in time to see Carl Anthony Towns slop in a three to send it to overtime. Isaac, fill me in. What happened in those last two minutes? I'll, I'll set it up for you. When I got up, there, there was something going on. When I got up, the Grizzlies were down five, and there was around two and a half, 235, something like that on the clock. And I thought that they were taking a break. I thought it was going to go to commercials. I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to get up real quick, see what's going on. And then I come back, and Carl Anthony Towns is slinging in a three to send it to overtime. Well, man, so, so much stuff happened, man. I have to try to remember, man. That was a action-packed last, like, two, three, four minutes left in that game. I mean, so, so much stuff happened. You had uh, the, the John Morant drive and two-hand dunk. He knocked down the, the big three uh, in Carl Anthony Towns' face, deep three. Uh, they put the Grizzlies up three. You had the Jaron block, uh, I think, on the D'Angelo Russell uh, layup that they had to review. They initially called it goaltending on the floor, reviewed it, overturned the call. Uh, jump ball, Grizzlies did win the tap on that one. You had the eight-second violation called on the Grizzlies. You had a five-second viol- inbound violation called on on the Timberwolves. I mean, you had all kind of stuff going on. That that last three or four minutes feel like it lasts 20 minutes uh, in, in real time. It was insanity, man. I don't I don't know, man. I've seen some wild games in my day, but this one is definitely up there on the list. I mean, and for the Grizzlies to win this game, I, I can't remember – Exactly the time. I know I think they were down by 14 at one point. I want to say with maybe under five or say under five minutes to go in the game and to come back and win this one, man. It, it's amazing. It just shows your resiliency. And I was fully prepared to come over here tonight and be critical. I mean, earlier in the game, we saw some of the things, same things that we've talked about where this team has just struggled to get stops. And as I've said, when they can't score, when they have these two, three minutes where they can't score this season, they don't have the defense to make up for that. I mean, it, it was just a blink of an eye at the end of that third quarter. It was a two, three-point game. Next thing you know, they go into the fourth quarter, I think, down 12, I think, 11 or 12. And it's just a blink of an eye because they just can't get stops. But the resiliency of this team, man, and, and shout-out to Brandon Clark, man. Welcome back. Uh, I mean, just a big-time game for him. And I'm hoping this is the start of, of rookie, having rookie season Brandon Clark back. I mean, he was big-time tonight, man. They don't win this game. Without him, just big-time play after big-time play. You had missed shots, and he tipped them back in. Just big rebounds. I mean, he was just all over the place tonight. And I'm so happy to see see that for him, man, because it's been a struggle, man. He's outside, out of the rotation, and was once thought to be an untouchable piece on this team. And it's just kind of, whether it was injuries last year or who knows what was going on, but just a struggle and, and really broke out tonight. Had his season high in pretty much in every category tonight. And, and I'm glad to see him back, and I'm hoping – He's a major part of this rotation. And one one thing that I take out of tonight is, uh, and Stephen A. Smith says this all the time, so shout out to him, uh, the information has changed. Uh, I haven't been a big fan of, of Jared at the five mm-hmm. uh, and that idea of that. But look, look at this season and, and watching tonight. I think it's best for him and best for the team. I think that's where he needs to be, at least with the personnel they have right now. 
I mean, you go down this box score, you look, Stephen Adams not in the game in crunch time, only played 19 minutes, only started at the minus, minus 17 on the plus minus, three boards, three rebounds, assist a block, uh, one of four from the field. Did, didn't play much late in the game at all, and you got Jaron in there at the five and, and uh, BC at the four. And that's when they played the best basketball. I mean, they locked in defensively late in this game, and I really like that look. And I think it might be time to explore bringing Stephen Adams off the bench. Well, you know, Coach Jenkins was kind of asked about that in, in the postgame presser. Uh, before I get into that, I, I've got to – you were talking about – Yeah, no, about I went, that, went a little long there. Went to yeah, no, 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 heck no, man. It, it's, it's fine, man. <laughs> there was a lot to talk about. So, like, I definitely want to back up to the BC thing because he talked about always staying prepared, and he kept saying, I'm just glad Coach gave me the opportunity. So, yeah, he talks about the work that he's putting in day in and day out. He knew that his game would be ready. He just wanted to, you know, get that opportunity. The coaches gave him the opportunity, and he shined. There's been times when he was on the floor this year where he didn't really look all that good, and you can credit that to a number of different things. Maybe it's lack of time on the floor, but that he, he was ready. That This was, um, you know, if you want to call two years ago a vintage Brandon Clark performance you know, like this was rookie season, very high percentage from the field, being in fact when the paint, causing guys to change their shot. He had one block shot, got, you know, timely rebounds, doing the things that he needs to do in order to stay on the floor. He made four or five of his free throws, didn't knock down a three, but like honestly, you don't have to have all five guys on the floor able to knock down threes and threes just may be something that Brandon Clark doesn't have in his game. Uh, you know, he, he did his rookie year. He shot a better percentage than he has any other time. He shot more threes in the second season after changing a shot. And that's when we felt like everything broke. So, you know, coach Jenkins going back to that coach Jenkins was asked about Jaron at the five and he said, he's like, you know, we're definitely gaining a lot more confidence in that because of what they're able to do. If Steven Adams is not destroying the offensive glass, what does he bring into this team? I agree. And, and I mean, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, like I, I say that. I mentioned this on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, you didn't see it. But I, I was in our last episode, I was talking about the, the defense and like comparing it to last season and where they're at. And yes, they are missing their best point of attack defender and Dylan Brooks. So that is going to make a difference, but I, I got on cleaning the glass and I, and I found it, I found the information I was looking for and it wasn't necessarily surprising to me at all. I figured that it was worse just by the eye test and the eye test did not lie to me last season with JV and Jaron on the floor Opponents were shooting 51% at the rim, 44% in the mid-range. That's from 4 to 14 feet. And then the long mid-range, which is from 14 feet to anywhere inside the three-point line. So 14 to – what is it like – what's the, the three? Is it a 22? I can't remember the measurement on the three-point yeah. line. But, but anyway, any, from 14 feet – outside of 14 feet inside the three-point line, they were at 26%. This year with Steven and Jaron – they're 56% at the rim, 50% in that mid-range, which is the area that I thought we would see improvement because Steven Adams can guard in space better than yeah. he can. 
in, you, in theory. You, yeah, like he. Well, I mean that that's a fact. Like he. I he mean, is, it, it he's should, more it agile. Should, that, yeah, I'm gonna say it should like, be the case, but th- that it, should be. It, it, it's not like the the numbers are telling us that that's not the case. But you know, you you get either one of those guys matched up on a guard, and Stephen Adams has a better chance. There's no doubt about that. But every single statistic in the in the areas that matter for the big men. It's gone up 56% at the rim, 50% in the mid-range from 4 to 14, and 14 to the three-point line there at 28%. So that's still not great. You can live with that. 28% is not not good at all. But it's still higher than what they were shooting last year against JV and what some of us thought were going to be, uh, you know, Adams would be a defensive upgrade for this team. So he's opened things up. But the, the, the areas that you're wanting him to contribute, he's not really been doing that. And it's not been a full season thing. You know, like we're, we're what, 10 games into the season now. In. So, you know, I, I'm not so fast to be like, oh, you know, just bury him on the bench. That's not what I'm saying. But I agree with you that I think it's time to take a look and maybe starting Jaron at the five and either Kyle Anderson or Brandon Clark at the four. And I, if you give me a choice right now, I like Brandon Clark at the four. For this reason, everybody else in that starting lineup, let's say that you're starting BC at the four and Jaron at the five. And the matchup dependency is going to make – like that's going to be huge because depending on who – you can't run BC at the four and Jaron at the five against Joel yeah, Embiid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Embiid, Jokic, like some of these Jokic, guys like that, yeah. centers – like they're going to tear these guys apart, but in a starting five that you have Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson Jr. The only person on the floor that, that is not really a knockdown three point shooter is Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark, And that's perfectly fine. You can run that lineup out there. And I have no problems if Jenkins wants it to be Kyle Anderson. We saw Kyle start last year, and Kyle was phenomenal in the starting four role. He was great. Great fill-in for Jaron. Had a career year. He brings things to the floor that that Brandon doesn't. And the same way goes for Brandon. There's things that Brandon can do that Kyle cannot. But why not take a look at it? You're early in the season. This is developmental time. They, they've talked about it. They've been telling us this, and we choose not to take them at their word, but that, that's what they've been doing. Do, I, do we even mention the final score? Final score of the game was 125 to 118. As we're like 10 minutes into the show here, hadn't even mentioned. Grizzlies improved to six and four on the season. But why not? Why not take a look at one of these other guys starting at the four and Jaron at the five? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And if you got to, you asked me to choose between Kyle and BC. I'm going to go with BC just for some of the reasons you just said. I mean, you have the offensive guys in other positions on the floor. You just need that energy, that rebounding, those tip-ins. You don't have to run any plays for BC. You don't need him to get shots up like Kyle. You have other guys that can come in there and create offense in that lineup. So I think BC brings a different element to that lineup than Kyle would. So I, I would definitely explore that. Uh, but the, the Steven Adams thing is weird. I, I think we were both understood why they made the trade and was I was kind of excited about it going into the season and looking at it being preseason in the first few games. It looked like it was heading in the right direction, but somewhere, man, something is, is going off the rails here. And that defensive upgrade that you, you thought was getting from him, we just haven't gotten. And I watched tonight in, in the minutes when they are awful uh, when Steven Adams is in a game uh, at the five. I mean, it's just 
matador to to the into the paint when he's in the game. I mean, there's just no resistance. Guys are getting behind him. It's just getting to the basket. And I, I don't understand it because I just think you you know the abilities between Jonas Valanciunas and Stephen Adams, and you just I don't see how they could be worse with, with Stephen Adams in the game. But the numbers tell you that, and even the eye test says that it, it, it is strange to me, but it, it is what it is. I don't know if he's still adjusting to, to what they're trying to do, but it hasn't been it hasn't been good. Um, and, and you saw how they closed the game tonight, and I think that's when they played their best defense. I, again, I was fully prepared to come on here and, and, and kind of criticize them about it's the same old thing, man. Can't get stopped. Uh, you, you go in these offensive drought, and teams just run off on you like we kind of saw from the end of the third quarter. And they go to that that lineup with Jaron at the five. You have uh, BC at the fourth, kind of that bench lineup, uh, kind of mixing guys in uh, with, with the bench guys. And that's where they made their run. I mean, they really locked in on defense, and that's why they won this game. I mean, it it, it wasn't necessarily the offense because it, they just couldn't get stops earlier. And Minnesota got downhill. The, the guys were confident. Uh, you had D'Angelo Russell just coming down, pulling up a wild shots, and then um, making, making tough shots, making tough threes. And they all had confidence. Um, and it, it, it was just tough to, to stop them at that point. But, again, they brought in that lineup, got some energy. BC got them going. Uh, Jared made some tremendous plays uh, down the stretch as well defensively. Ended up fouling out in overtime, man. But I, I just think the way this team played down the stretch, again, I, I just don't see how BC going forward is not a, a part of this rotation. Now, I know we've seen him play before, and, and he struggled at times this year. But. I think after the nice performance, man, you got to give them that opportunity. And right now, man, I, I just think they're better, especially again when you're not going against guys like B, Jokic, these big huge centers. I'm thinking you're bringing Stephen Adams off the bench. I think that's what's best for this team because I think they're better with, with those lineups with Jaron at the five. And again, you had asked me last year, two years ago, I would have never thought that. Heck, even at the you know before the season I mean, started, yeah, we had yeah, that I mean, conversation, right? right. And I was I was messing with you about Jaron being the starting five. I think I said before the All Star break. I, I don't remember. Yeah, that, you, you know, did. Like yeah, can, you did say that. So you know, like that may not happen. It may not happen. If it does, okay, great. I'm definitely going to brag about it and pat myself on the back and give myself flowers. But you know, I, I that's really that's the direction that this is heading. And you know, it, it's it's crazy to me. I, you know, I, I said that maybe by the all-star break that he would be, but still even now watching this, I really didn't think that that was true. I was saying it to say it because Isaac was like, Oh, it's not happening. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was just saying it to kind of dispute Isaac on it. But you know, it, I, I think that the more video and the more gameplay, the, the more film that they watch and they see Jaron at the five, the more that this coaching staff is liking it. And that's just based off of these post-game comments from Coach Jenkins because he he had nothing but praise for Jaron at the five. And, you know, fouling out tonight, it was unfortunate. He still played 32 minutes and was, uh, you know, plus 12 out there. Just huge impact on the game. 14 points, eight rebounds, three blocks of steal. You know, this this was this was another good game. And the Grizzlies – they talk about learning. Brandon Clark mentioned, you know, growing, learning, some, something of that nature multiple times in the post game. Whenever Rob Fisher was talking to him, and then again in the post game presser, he just talked about, you know, learning and growing with this team, and how they they take these experiences and and they build upon them. And there was a uh, at the end of the game when Cat made that three, um, Fisher said that in the huddle 
Coach Jenkins said that they missed the foul. They done everything that they were supposed to do except for foul. And they were still able, you know, like Cat knocks down that three, which could be a dagger, could be a momentum changer going into overtime. And they didn't let it get to him. Jaron's like, you know, in the moment, you're like, oh, dang, good shot. You know, you kind of, you know, you realize what happened, but you don't dwell on it. You know, he said, by the time we got back to the huddle, we were locked in. We were ready to go. Let's go get this overtime. And that, that's the mentality that they have to have. We're seeing some of the things, some of the growing pains with the young team. We're watching that firsthand. And to see them go down as far as they were in this game, and even to be, I think you said it was like, five, you know, inside of five minutes, they were down 14 yeah. points. And they were still able to pull this game off. Just, just an incredible win for the Grizzlies. Yeah, man, and shout out to John Morant. I mean, he was kind of asked about this. So I think it might have been Evan Barnes that asked him in the post-game press. So you go back to that Lakers game, uh, you step up to the line, need three free throws to tie the game. He goes two of three. The Grizzlies go on to lose that game. And after that game, he kind of talked about next time that he steps up there, he's going to step up there with confidence and, and knock him down. And he did that tonight, knock both of those free throws down and make it a three-point game because he missed one of those. And, and that cat three is not a, a shot to take it overtime. It's a, it's a game winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so shout out to him for, and you talk about growth. That's the kind of stuff you want to see, man. He said that next time he, he stepped up there in a situation, he'd make him. And he did. I was like, crowd was yelling MVP when he's at the line. I was like, man, quiet down. That's one of the weirdest things I, I hate when home crowds, when you, when you have your guys stepped up to the free throw line to make these clutch free throws that they got to have. And you have a crowd going nuts. I'm like, man, be quiet. That's the time you need to be quiet. <laughs> man. You do that. You do that when the opposing team guys up to the free throw line. They're just going nuts, yelling MVP. I'm like, man, Hold but on, he, yeah. he's you want them to chant MVP when somebody else is at the No, not MVP, but make noise. Line? Not MVP, but just make noise. <laughs> not MVP. I but, got you. I'm picking up yeah, what you're man. putting down. But, yeah, yeah. man, uh, he, he stepped up there with confidence and, and knocked them both down. But uh, And, and, and shout-out, man, I, I want to say this, man. Shout-out to De'Anthony Melton. Uh, you talk about Mr. Do-something. He was Mr. Do-everything at, at points tonight when this team was really struggling offensively. The only reason why they were – anywhere in this game is because of his offense. I mean, he was making plays, making, making, knocking down shots, knocking down threes. He ends up with 19 points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, one block, uh, seven to 12 from the field, three or six from three, two or two for the free throw line, 32 minutes plus seven. I mean, those are fantastic game for him. I mean, he's had some, some bad games this year, but I was told probably say six out of 10 games this year. He's probably played really well. So, I mean, a little bit more consistency. We have seen, again, we've seen some bad games from him, but, He's been a bit more consistent. And, again, when Dylan comes back, I believe he's going to be the guy that goes to the bench. And I'm just hoping that it doesn't mess up what he's doing. I hope he doesn't come in with a different mentality and and start to struggle again because he's coming off the bench because he's been huge. And, again, when you see him be that two-way player that we saw tonight, I mean, he looks like a guy that should be starting in in the NBA. He doesn't even look like a guy that should be coming off the bench. And he's been fantastic. And, again, they don't win this game without his contributions, him and Melton and – uh, Brandon Clark were both huge, huge, huge in this game tonight, and, and, and you love to see it again. Bain struggled tonight from three. Uh, what was he? 0 of six. Uh, did not knock one down. You're not going to see that much from him. It, it's like shocking when he pulls up and, and it doesn't go in, man. But 0 of six tonight. I don't think you're going to see many 0 of six nights from downtown for Desmond Bain. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would lose money betting. Like if you ask me if he takes six three attempts and he he only has to make one. Like, I, I'm putting all my money on it. Like, yeah, you still plus you know, 12, though. At, at five yeah, assists, 13 yeah. points, three rebounds, a steal, uh, five of 13 from the floor. Just couldn't three or three from the free throw line. Just couldn't 
couldn't find a range from long range tonight, man, but still didn't have a terrible game at all. Plus 12. I think that's second on the team um, in, in plus minus tonight. Yeah. You know, Brandon talked about after the game, um, the, the one-on-one defense being an issue seemingly all year so far. And, and it really has like the, and we talked about perimeter defense leading to the breakdown. And, and I think, you know, we were g- going kind of back to the JV Steven Adams conversation here. I, I think the difference is I, I don't know that Adams has ever played as a drop big. And, and that's not – I don't know that for sure. I'd have to go back and, and really look. But, um, you know, I was having having a conversation and, and somebody's like, you know, in the scheme defensively, JV is better – because he's a better drop big drop than big. what Adams is. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's probably truth. Like, you know, based off of the numbers that we have so far this season, that's pretty factual. It, it gets kind of scary. Well, one number that I, I didn't mention whenever I was talking about that earlier is the the amount of change between, you know, the numbers I gave you is when Adams and Jaron were both on the floor. When either one of those guys are off the floor – Opponents are shooting almost 70% at the rim. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it is. And that's – you're not going to win like that. You you cannot let opponents – and that that's – again, happy birthday to Revan. It's his birthday, but I, I, I've got to credit him because I did not have a full understanding of what the drop defense was until he came on the show and he talked to us about it. And that's, you know, somebody that played the game, somebody that knows the ins and outs of the game, I, I you know, I knew – had an idea of what drop defense was, but I didn't understand it fully. And he's like, you know, I, I see people getting frustrated by JV giving these guys so much space in the mid range, but a hundred times out of a hundred, you'd rather them take a 15 foot jumper than an uncontested get, layup. Layup, yeah. And, and so what, what's happening this year is they're, they're shooting those contested mid ranges less and they're getting to the rim more and shooting a higher percentage. And so, you know, there's holes in other places. And, and I think that is some of that is because Steven Adams can guard in space a little bit more. So it's getting him in trouble. He gets out too far and the opposing team makes a cut or makes a pass. And then, you know, the rim is wide open. It's an easy layup. So adjustments still have to be made. And, and you know, we're, we're talking earlier about Adams may be maybe out, Jaron in at the five and somebody else in at the four. We'll see what happens. I loved hearing what Jaron said right before he walked off of the podium. Yeah. Two four will be back. Two four is coming. He said he's coming, man. The storm is coming. <laughs> so I, uh, I I can't wait. I'm so ready to see Dylan back. I know that that is going to help with a lot of these uh, a lot of these defensive woes, uh, but I don't expect him to be a, a, a one man fix everything. No, it, it's definitely a, a team issue. He's definitely going to help a lot. Because we talk about point attack defense, and he's the best on the team with that. And again, I think it's going to help the whole team overall. It's going to help the defense entirely uh, when, when he comes back. But again, I mean, they, they've been pretty bad. It, it's not going to be a cure all for everything. And to go back to their defense, I think we talk about the perimeter defense. A lot of people, if you ask a lot of people, they would say that's their, been their biggest issue. But it's actually, I think, the interior defense, and that's what causes a lot of the, the, the perimeter defensive issues because they teams are just killing them with the, the, the driving kick, you're getting deep penetration in the lane and everybody tries to converge on that and, and you're leaving people wide open. I mean, you see these shots, I think it was Nas Reed, I think had maybe three wide open corner threes in a row or something like that, I remember, 
uh, in the third quarter. And it's just, I mean, and that's just what you see. Uh, the the problems in the interior defense leads to the, the problems on the perimeter defense because they just seem to always be on their heels and scrambling defensively, and that's not a good place to be uh, when, when, when you're scrambling. But again, D- Dylan Brooks is definitely going to help with that, and, and, and Coach Dickens talked about that in his pregame availability, said that everything looks good medically. Uh, he, he basically said that he's been cleared medically, and now it's just the Grizzlies' uh, decision on, on when they want to bring him back as far as conditioning and when they feel like he's he's ready. So I expect him kind of from his tone to be back if I would say not by the end of this week, I would say next, beginning of next week at the latest. I think we'll see Dylan Brooks back very soon, and hopefully it's not a huge transition period. It's been a long time since he's been out there, um, and he's such a big part of this team offensively and defensively. There's going to be some adjustment from from all the guys on, on kind of how they played the season. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I think we'll all be happy to see, as, as Jerry Jackson said, 2-4 back out there sooner rather than later. Yeah. I want to address one more thing, but before we we get go, I get, do you have anything else game wise you want to talk about? No, man, just a, a tremendous game, man, for the fact yeah. that they didn't give up. Uh, and, and Coach Dickens talked about that post game, the resiliency. I mean, then you have that shot with, with Cat, and you could like, man, this just this is not going to happen for us, man. Even though we're going to overtime, man, we thought we had to stay one, had all this energy to come back, and then you just get a backbreaker like that to buzzer. You can see teams. Bowl, especially a young team, but the fact that they kept on fighting, jumped out in overtime, got a four-point lead. Uh, they did Minnesota did enough time it up, but Grizz went back up and, and, and never went down again and ended up winning the game. Just tremendous from this team, man. And, and despite the struggles that we talk about defensively and what we saw early in the game, the only thing that matters in the end is they got the W. Uh they're six and four, not not uh not 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 five and five. So I mean they get the win and, and it's just good to see this team fight back like that. Great, great win tonight on the home floor. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. Showed a lot of resolve tonight. Get good stuff from the Grizzlies. Now I want to talk about something that happened as the Timberwolves were walking off of the floor. We're not going to go too deep into this because there's very little, right? There's one video. There's We don't even know that it's going to be addressed by the NBA. I don't even know that it should be addressed by the NBA, if I'm being honest. But as Carl Anthony Towns was walking off of the floor, there was a Grizzly fan standing there. And this guy had his hand over his mouth, so you can't make out what he was saying. You don't know what was – we have no idea. All we know, this guy is standing there, and he's he's doing kind of a mocking wave at all of the Timberwolves as they're walking off the floor. The guy standing behind him, directly behind him, had his hand out to try and get a high five. Carl Anthony Towns swings his hand out, and he hits the guy that's mocking him. And not like hits him in the like he 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 smacks his arm like just below his hand kind of when in his wrist area, so I, I want to be specific about that part because it wasn't like he just hauled off and smacked the shit out of this dude. That's not what happened. But I, I, I'm I'm not even mad about it. I'm not at all. Like we don't know what this dude was saying to Carl Anthony Towns, and that's something I will always always say that fans say shit to these guys that they oh, should never say. Yeah, I've I've heard and, some stuff, man, that at a game like I, I don't know how these these guys have more restraint than I probably would have, man. Cause I, I've heard guys that fans say some stuff to these guys, man, and they'd have to they'd have to hear that to come get me, man, because it would be an issue if, if somebody said some of these things I've heard to them. So I'm always gonna be on the player's side when when fans saying something crazy. I don't care if it's a grizzly fan like we're talking about right now. If he saying something crazy i just don't understand how people 
think that they can say whatever they want to say to these guys. We talked about this last year uh, when, during, when the Russell Westbrook stuff happened. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Like, it, and there's no way if you're in a different setting that you would walk up to Carl Anthony Towns and say something crazy to his face. Because if, if you would, you, you, you're going to regret it, I, I promise you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, again, don't know what was said by the guy. If the guy did not cross the line and Carl Anthony Towns just got mad yeah, and, and smacked this dude's arm, oh, be more professional, bro. <laughs> like, if he didn't cross the line, just, you know, don't throw a temper tantrum, right? So, yeah, that, if he didn't say anything crazy, then maybe something should be done about it. Maybe not. But with this dude having his mouth covered, I would what, yeah. bet you, like, yeah. I would bet you almost whatever you want to bet that this dude said something way out of line and that's it's not okay and i like if i'm at a game and a fan around me is saying something crazy i'm gonna call them out on it man i i just do and that's maybe that's gonna backfire on me one day but like these players they get protection to a certain extent but there, there's a lot of stuff that's allowed to be done that shouldn't you know, and so, I, like, again, we're not going to go crazy far into it because we don't know the full extent uh, of the story. We don't even know if anything's really going to happen. It's just something, just a video that I saw, and I saw some people reacting to it. So, you know, cancel culture, all of that crap, who knows where it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, that, that ticket does not give you the avenue to, to come in there and do anything you want. And I think a lot of people feel that way, and that's just not the case. I mean, again, I've sat on press roll for hundreds of games, and some of the things that you hear down there, man, especially when you sit down by the floor, it's insanity. I mean, some of the things that they yell at the coaches, it's crazy, man. It's just no place for that. I mean, I, I, I don't get, again, you could be for the Grizzlies, for Tigers, for whoever I'm rooting for. I don't care. There's just no place in the game for that. These guys are human beings just like you wouldn't want anybody saying that stuff to you. You'd have a problem with it if somebody said that to you. Nobody goes up to people in other professions and, just say crazy stuff to them on, on, on normal. And I mean, they, you have it happen sometime, but it's not a normal thing. I just don't understand why people think they have a right to say that to professional athletes. I just don't, I don't get it, but it's yeah. something that again, I mean, I think sometimes these people are get allowed to get away with more than they should. Yeah. Um, and again, if you met these guys out in the street, there's no way that you'd be doing some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. hundred percent, man. Look, somebody comes up to me and says something crazy. Like I've heard some of these people say, I was looking for a job when I found this one, baby. Let's go. You know, <laughs> Let's go, man. It, it's on. Like, that, that's not how this works, bro. So, all right. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Grizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, let them know where to find you and get us going, man. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Again, go over to at Grizz, man. Follow all our great work over there and give us a follow. We appreciate that. And the Grizzlies will be back on the home floor. Uh, take it on at 20. Charlotte Warners on Wednesday night. We'll be back with you after that after game on Wednesday. Until then, we're going. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.